When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey there, everybody, and welcome to It's Always Game Day in Kansas City. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. Welcome on this Red Friday, even though, as we know, the Chiefs are not playing this weekend. I am your host, Kayla Canaram. Joining me, as always, is my co-host, Cody Tapp, and our producer, Nick Schwartz. Guys, we get to relax this weekend and just enjoy the show. This is great. It feels nice. Who doesn't like a, a good bye week? It's like I can watch all these games in this weekend, and we're all going to watch them anyway, right? Way lower stakes. Way less pressure. Sucks to be you, somebody <laughs> who gets in some upset watch game, because it's not my problem. Because we know there's going to be one that surprises us out of the two six matchups. Because right now, those all look semi-lopsided. Maybe not so much with the Vikings and Giants one. But nobody expects the seven-seeded Seahawks to beat the 49ers. No one expects Miami to beat Buffalo. No one expects Baltimore to beat Cincinnati. But one of those games is going to be a sweat. And I'm just glad Kansas City doesn't have to pretend like it could be them. And does it count as a Red Friday officially? Is That's, this a yeah. Red Friday or is this just? Uh, it's medium. Friday? I went. I went pink. So it's like I'm going like pink, I'm going pink like, a, like a brick red here. Oh, same. We're all in like neutrals today. Well, if you ask King Canaram, every Friday is a Red Friday. My father wears red even during the off season. Wow, that's dedication. Yep. Just no matter what, he's in red if it's a Friday. Even during preseason, he was wearing red. I respect it. He's dedicated to the Red Friday. More than this show, apparently. Who knew? Clearly. <laughs> God love him. We still need to get him on at some point. It'll happen. Heck yeah. All right, you guys. We've got the revised playoff predictions. Now that we know everyone left in the running, and as Cody alluded to, which upset are we calling for this weekend? Setting it up, we've got the Seahawks versus the 49ers on Saturday, followed by the Chargers versus Jacksonville. Sunday, we have Miami versus Buffalo. The Giants versus the Vikings, Baltimore versus Cincinnati, and closing out the weekend on Monday with Dallas versus Tampa Bay. Well, I I think the upset has to come from the NFC, mostly because like when I'm looking at these playoffs as a whole, I don't feel like I got any, any idea how the NFC is going to go. Like I'm like, I know the Eagles are the best team, and I know the 49ers might have the best roster, but they're starting a rookie. And then it's like, Tom Brady has all the playoff experience in the world, and we know that. But he's on the worst team. And it's like, okay. So then other than that, it's like, okay. And then there are six quarterbacks who have never played in a postseason game. So I guess I'm supposed to assume that if it's all these guys who have played in, like, one combined postseason game, that Tom Brady will just go to the NFC title game. So I have no idea. The NFC, to me, and I don't know if you guys feel the same. I'm interested. I'm lost. <laughs> like, I'll end up just end up, like, choosing, like, Vikings and 49ers or Vikings and and Eagles, and I'll give the Eagles the edge because they've got the bye. But the AFC, I will be stunned if at the end of the day it's not the three teams are the Chiefs, 
the Bengals, and the Bills. I expect all three of them to be in the divisional round, which means all I'm saying is who wins between the Chargers and Jags? A coin flip game where I don't think it's an upset one way or the other. The NFC is the more intriguing conference for me this weekend because I don't know. Yeah, the 49ers destroyed some teams down the stretch, but they're also starting a seventh round rookie. And I I don't know. They just gave up like 300 yards to Jared Stidham. So like, if they're just off for a day for a minute, Purdy doesn't have it for a day or a second. Yes, they can lose to Seattle, who beat plenty of good teams earlier in the year, even though they're playing bad now. So I'm lost in the NFC. I've got my guesses and predictions for how I think it'll go, but I could see that going. Like if you told me that the Cowboys, Eagles, Bucks, Vikings all came out of the NFC, I couldn't pretend like I was just stunned. Some would surprise me more than others, but the NFC is confusing. Yeah, I think the NFC is not necessarily confusing as much as it just is. There are less haves and have nots. The disparity Mm -hmm. between the best teams and the worst teams is much smaller than it is in the AFC. And nobody's giving the Dolphins a shot against the Bills. But I look up and down these matchups. The only one I feel really confident about would be Seahawks Niners, but the Seahawks were tough out at times this season. They didn't really finish the year that way. Actually, in San Francisco, I think you could argue is playing the best football of any team in the NFL heading into the postseason. So that's the only one I don't really spend much time trying to deliberate over. My pick, it's relatively easy. It's the first one that jumps out at you when you look at these matchups this weekend is the Giants over the Vikings. The Vikings are three-point favorites. I think you could make the case that the Giants could be like a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Like, if that would have been the line that came out, I don't think anybody would have been all that shocked. There have been, you know, there's been a lot of made about the Vikings getting in close games. They are the first team in NFL history to have a negative point differential in the regular season and host a playoff game, right? Not just get to the playoffs, but to host a playoff game. They won 13 can. games, 13 games with a <laughs> negative point differential. So the the Packers went 13, they won 13 games each of the, the, the last three years before this season. And in 2019, and I think 2021, they had a point differential that was around like 63, 67, somewhere in that range. And, and two of those seasons were the three lowest point differentials in NFL history for a team to make the playoffs. So think about that. They were in the 60s, and that was the lowest ever. And the Vikings have a minus three point differential. Cody, you've asked me a couple times this year, you know, what do you chalk that up to? And I've given you the answer that you don't love, which is luck. That's yeah. it. It's just luck. It's not... It, there, there is no coaching strategy. It's not because this team just wants it more or they just find ways to win close games. That can be an excuse if you do it from time to time. When you do it every single week, something tells me, okay, this will never happen again. It's never happened before. So unless the Vikings simply want it more than any team that's ever existed in the history of the NFL, I'm just to believe that they're not that good of a team and that they've gotten lucky. I don't think the Giants are a juggernaut. But I just think this matchup is a lot more even than it may seem like based off the win-loss record. Like, yeah. I mean, if I'm choosing a lead upset, maybe that's the one. But I'm telling you, right, I feel like I'm the only person who would not be surprised to find out Seattle and San Francisco's in a dogfight. I mean, I know Geno Smith hasn't played in a postseason game, but it's just like, it's still like, like we talk about luck a little bit. Obviously, they're well coached, but so are the Seahawks. 
for for whatever we would have done over the last couple of years to like knock Pete Carroll and been like, ah, it's part of his problem with the Russell Wilson. Man, I, he traded away Russell Wilson, who when he left Russell Wilson was still a top 10 quarterback in the NFL and took Geno Smith instead to the postseason. I know it took the Packers losing on a Sunday night in order to happen. But they still to get themselves to the nine wins. They played poor down the stretch. But to me, it's just like if they just have their good game once, then that game becomes problematic. I don't see it at all on the AFC side. Buffalo is going to kill Miami. Cincinnati <laughs> is going to kill Baltimore. Both those are going to be – and by kill, I mean those are both going to be 14-point games. And I really do feel like as much as the Chargers have played really good defense down the stretch – that's a coin flip. And the reason why I think it's more a coin flip is I think I think the Chargers have proven themselves to be the slightly better team than the, the the Jags. But the Jags are playing a little bit better football or equally as good football, and I give them the decided coaching advantage. Brandon Staley's out here getting his lead wide receiver hurt in Week 18, and Doug Peterson's won a Super Bowl. So it's like, to me, if there's one guy who's used to coaching in these games – it's maybe the guy who has won a Super Bowl and not the guy who's coaching in his first game in the playoffs as a head coach. I'm just, I think I'm mostly intrigued by this Dallas Tampa Bay game. I know Dallas yeah. is obviously favored, and it's hilarious that a eight and nine team is hosting a 12 and five team, but we know what Tom does in the playoffs, and we know the Cowboys kind of suck in the playoffs. So <laughs> I can definitely see the Bucks coming out on top yeah. of this one. Yeah, it's okay. just like history Let's, tells us the Cowboys will always blow it and yeah. Tom Brady won't. Let's just look at the, the facts here, okay? Uh, the Cowboys are not allowed to win playoff games and Tom Brady is promised to go to every conference championship game ever. They like <laughs> I wanna I don't wanna like beat around the bush here. Like we're all in agreement that the Buccaneers are winning this football game. And you don't have to come up with any football reasons. And it, honestly, <laughs> because it's really hard to come up with the football reasons. No, Just no life works out. I mean, the Buccaneers way. haven't beaten a good team all season. At no point have they started to hit their strides. They benefited from being in maybe the worst division in football. The Cowboys have been one of the most complete teams in the NFL all year. Even despite Dak's injuries, they finished fourth in points scored. They finished fifth in points allowed. It doesn't matter. It's the Cowboys, it's the Buccaneers, it's Tom Brady versus the Cowboys. It really doesn't matter who's on the Cowboys. It's just what that brand stands for, which is losing games. Mm -hmm. They're not supposed to lose, which means they're absolutely blowing this game and Tom Brady probably goes to another conference championship. Wild. Wild, that NFC. I don't believe, the Bucs are just no good, too. <laughs> and they are, Nick. They're no good. It's not even a good look, team. Well, look at the teams they've beaten this year. When you go back and just look, kind of look at the Buccaneers resume, right? They beat the Panthers, the Cardinals, the Saints, the Seahawks, the Rams, the Falcons. Oh, yeah. And the Cowboys. Back in week <laughs> one. That was all the way back in week one. And that was a long time ago. Dak was actually playing in that game. These teams have been on uh, slightly different paths since then. But they have at least shown the ability that they're capable of beating the Dallas Cowboys. Could you have given a less impressive resume <laughs> of wins for a playoff team? I'm I, not even just this year, ever. I mean, just just ever. Are any of the teams they beat good? I mean, they, they got two wins. Seattle. Over, uh, they got two wins over playoff teams. They beat the Seahawks and they beat the Cowboys. Oh my god. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess put Tom Brady in the NFC title game. That'll probably just be the way it goes. I don't know if that'll be my official prediction when we do it later, but Nick, you're right. Don't give any football reasons. Just assume that that's the way the world works. <laughs> Make note of that, all you betters.
Uh, definitely going to be fun to see how everything shakes out this weekend. Um, but now we're going to move on, guys. The pass rush finished the season second overall in sacks, right along the top in the league. We asked if we trust them in the playoffs, but do we trust them as much or next to other elite pass rush teams in the playoffs? I mean, we should hold them to that standard, right? Let me just be clear. I don't. <laughs> I know I should. I know that it's fair, too. But no, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because I watched them finish second to last in sacks last year. Maybe it's that. I, I I don't know. I don't want to pretend like that's the reason, but here's the reality. No, I don't include them in the category of Philly or Dallas. I just don't. I know that they have similar number of sacks. Those teams, not Philly. Philly's like way ahead. They got like 10 more than everybody, but I just can't picture it. And I think maybe it's because... One of them is great. If it was Chris Jones and another already established pass rusher, I'd probably be different. But the Chiefs' second best pass rusher is a rookie. A rookie who's never played in an NFL playoff game. A rookie who only came on from the sack percentage over the last six weeks, seven weeks. Before then, we were still asking that seven weeks ago, we're like, hey, is Karloff just going to get a sack? Like, I know he's getting near the quarterback, but you know, it'd be cool if he started sacking the quarterback to go with it. Now he has. But it's the NFL playoffs, and the speed moves different, and Karloftis still, to me, isn't the kind of guy who has such elite athleticism that he's just going to beat anybody he plays against. So to me, they still got to be in that second tier. I'll put the elite pass rushers all on their own in this category, and I'll count the Chiefs on, you have to get sacks, and I'm counting on you to get them, but I don't perceive them amongst the most. If it's like the Mahomes tier of quarterbacks, sorry, you're in tier two. This is a Steve Spagnuolo conversation. Everything you just said... And the premise of this question, you could just reword it and insert Steve Spagnolo in place of the Chiefs pass rush, right? Yeah. Do you trust Steve Spagnolo in the postseason. It's been a good year for Steve Spagnolo, but why don't we believe in him? It's because of him. And it's because of the way that the Chiefs have gotten these sacks. Like we we talk about specifically with Spags, the one thing year to year that we always discuss, whether there's production or not, is that he is a very aggressive defensive play caller. He's got these exotic blitz packages and he's bringing guy, he's bringing in a safety, he's bringing in cornerbacks, right? He is disguising a lot of different things and it makes life really difficult on opposing offenses. And he's had his really good years. He's had his really bad years. The Chiefs had this year, they were fit you're right. They were second in the NFL in sacks at 55. They had 16 different players get at least one sack. That's more than any team in the NFL. You're right. Of course the it Eagles, is. The Eagles were had the most sacks in the league by almost 10. They only had 12 guys get one sack. So it's not to say that the Chiefs, that's better, or that this is why Spags is the best. It's just that is why it seems like the Chiefs aren't an elite unit. Because when you think, like when you close your eyes and, and you think of elite pass rushes, you think of those teams that have two, one, guys. two guys, right? Von yeah. Miller next to Aaron Donald. TJ Watt next to Cameron Hayward. You think of... Um, uh, Demarcus Ware next to uh, Micah Parsons. Micah Parsons. Well, not in that case, but yeah. Um, I was thinking of uh, with the Broncos. Almost Elvis Dumerville. Elvis Dumerville. Right? Yeah. You think of these great tandems, and the Chiefs don't have that. It's Chris. It's like Chris Jones and the Miracles. It's Chris Jones and a bunch of guys who are all just sort of kicking in the bucket, doing their part, which has worked out. If every team could do it, they would do it. And if that were a sustainable model more teams would try and do it that way. 
that is the brilliance of Steve Spagnola, which is, hey, these are the pieces that we've got. This is how we're going to generate a pass rush with it. It doesn't always work, but this year it has. He's came up aces, and that's why I think so, it, I think you have to buy into it. I've seen seen 17 games of it. Why am I to now believe that all of a sudden it's going to disappear? And that that's actually fair, Nick, because like last year they were second to last. Like, shouldn't I just buy in? I think some you got to let go of that. I know. I, I know. And I understand that he gets them from a lot of different areas and that shouldn't be a knock necessarily. Right. Like that. That's not that's not incriminating. That's a good thing. It's good that Thornhill or Bolton or Sneed or, you know, like it's good that all of these players can contribute to the sack numbers. But dude, in the playoffs, taking those chances is scary. And teams are just better. They're better at yeah, but what's, ball. But better, what's you know, the whatever. alternative? No, I know. I'd rather that than they be 10th but have two great pass rushers. It's hard to say because so if they, they had they, two great pass rushers, they wouldn't be 10th. Well, you know what the other the thing, is, Cody, is that we we tend to associate great pass rushes with great defenses. The Chiefs didn't have a great defense. They had a, they had a fine defense. They had an average defense, maybe slightly above average. Like the Eagles led the led the league in in sacks. It was a great defense. San Francisco was up at the Cowboys. top of the league. They were one of the top points per game defenses. So yeah. the Cowboys, Cowboys, yeah. Patriots, they all had great pass rushes, great defenses. That wasn't the case with the Chiefs, who finished about middle of the pack in points allowed. So maybe that's part of the reason why, because you can't buy in to the Chiefs' defense as a whole, like a hundred percent. It doesn't allow you to buy into the pass rush a hundred percent. 